Testing one, two, three on my mic. Testing one, two, three on my mic. Testing one, two, three on my mic. And those of us, or those of you who've been listening to Taking Pictures have quickly noticed that the two voices after mine are a lot higher and prettier than the two people that usually occupy these chairs. And uh, today we brought in Laura Anderson Shaw. Why am I introducing you? Who are you? I'm Laura Anderson Shaw. I got, that, a- I got that right the first time. You did. That was good. And our young photographer, new to the staff. My name is Meg McLaughlin. There you go. And I brought Meg and Laura in to talk a little about their big adventure last week, their big photographic visual adventure in the Fire Ops 101. And Laura, can you tell me a little about what Fire Ops 101 was about? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Fire Ops 101 gathered Moline staff, um, some media, some elected officials all together to kind of see what it was like to be a firefighter for a day. Um, we did a handful of activities um, on the Rock Island Arsenal um, at the training facility there, um, including fire suppression. Um, we rappelled down a technical rescue tower, which was 50 feet off the ground. Um, we took a ride in a fire truck and kind of experienced what it was like to hop out and get a fire hydrant started. Um, we did a search and rescue mission where we went through um, three stories of the burn tower um, where we had to gear up in full gear, full mask. Um, we all had to take a tool in. Do you want to tell everybody how tall you are? I'm five, two and a half. How big is the fire gear? Oh, certainly a lot bigger than that. Um, I could... By the time I pulled my pants all the way up, I could get a hold of the suspendery things that are supposed to hold them up at your shoulders and lift them up a little bit over my head. So I spent most of the day pulling my pants up. So you looked a little like Jared I after did. he lost all the weight. In I the looked pants? like a little kid who played in their parents' closet and came down the stairs in clothes that were way too big. Oh, you absolutely did. It was a little bit ridiculous. And so what was the from a from a, you're doing a first person story? Correct. So for Meg, in the taking pictures part of this, what is the challenge of, did you have to go in fire? No, I didn't have to go in fire, but I got to be as close to fire as I ever have been able to be, um, ever in any kind of fire situation that I've photographed. And it was really interesting. And and uh, how hot, Laura? How hot was it in the fire when you were in the fire? Because um, you were it, right next to fire. I right? was. I could probably have reached out and touched it. Um, it at its coolest, it was about 250 degrees. Um, but we were on the floor at that point, um, and that was when we were in what they called the burn room, which was where they had wooden pallets and hay that they were lighting. Um, it created a little bit more of a, a lighter colored smoke. Um, if, if it were a true house fire, the, the smoke would have been black and it would have been a lot more toxic for us to breathe. Um, if our mask in this situation got knocked off and we did breathe some of it, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt us, you know, that we would be out in time before it caused any damage. But uh, it, we were, the, the minute, you know, the fire started growing, we all had to get down on the ground. And at that point, it was about 250, 300 degrees or so. And then the, as close to the ceiling you got, it got to, you know, could have been over a thousand degrees up there. It was like being in an oven. And from a from a mental standpoint of trying to tell your story and remember it is what you're doing, are you just surviving? Are you just trying to, you know, at five, whatever whatever you said you were, five, two? Five, two and a half. Five, two and a half. Don't cheat me out of that half inch. <laughs> I won't. Uh, five, two and a half, you're, 
are you just thinking about surviving and carrying the gear or are you making mental notes? How are it, you making kind mental of, notes? It kind of came in stages. Um, the, the reporter and me kind of, kind of makes notes by accident. I, I, I didn't really have to think about that part too much. And I had Meg on hand um, in some situations like when, oh, and I completely forgot that we did extrication. We got to use the jaws of life and, and tools like that to rescue say. our quote unquote victims. Um, but I had Meg on hand who could kind of help me take notes um, when, when our uh, instructors were talking. But while I was going through it, it, it was just so intense that even as, as exhausted as I was at, by the end of it, I didn't forget any of it. You know, I had to cl clarify a couple of things with, with Captain Snyder, but beyond that, I mean, I remembered everything I did. And I, some of it too was because I was really proud of myself for, for doing it and, and not saying no to any of it and letting myself do it. Now, so. what's the challenge for you to photograph something like this? You had all these different scenarios, but they didn't let you into the fire room because it would have been too dangerous. But what's the challenge for you as a photographer to photograph your coworker going through this? Because this is someone you know. That's really interesting. I think the most challenging part of this was separating Laura from a reporter and seeing her as an actual simulated firefighter because a lot of the time I would come up to Laura after she would come out of an event or scenario is what they were calling him and I'd be like okay Laura where do you want to do the interview or what do you think we should take a picture like where would you like to interview this person and she would be like I love you but you're gonna need to walk away because I need to breathe for a second it was very hard for me to see Laura as a firefighter and not a reporter that was definitely definitely the most challenging part of it I think Having had to produce Laura in the field before, did you? Ha she's always up. I mean, Laura is always like, "I'll do anything you want me to do." So, is this were you? Were you? Were you not like instantly? Did you have to? You have big recover time between scenarios. Not, not really a big recover time. It, it was just so hot. And I'm 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 a very light skinned person and I get red really easily and they kept bringing me water and I did not want for one second for them to think that I needed to take a break. I didn't. I knew that if I just calmed myself down and took some deep breaths that I would chill out and a lot of it was sunburn. So I mean, but I, I looked red and I looked hot. So I needed some woosah minutes so I could stop sweating and catch my breath. Because also, even though you have an air tank on, the minute you put that mask on, you feel like you can't breathe. So I had, I had a lot that I was juggling. I, I was totally ready and up for anything, but I knew that if I didn't chill myself out, someone was going to ask me to sit down. What was your favorite picture that you took during the day? I think there were so many pictures that were beautiful, but I really enjoyed... I mean, there was one picture, I watched Laura go up the stairs, and I could see her face going up the stairs, and the expression on her face was my favorite, because you could tell that she wanted to be tough, and she is tough, and I've always seen Laura as tough, but when she didn't think anyone was looking, you could truly see the exhaustion. So any photo that I took where I got one moment of Laura showing any kind of exhaustion, I think would have that made it successful. I think that told the story, because there were lots of times that Laura was very tired. I bet. Really I mean, I, I think <laughs> I think that would exhaust anybody. Do the now our listeners who don't know you now your mom's listening, so she knows this about you, and all your friends Hi, know this about you. But you're you freak out in advance of a, so many things. You're I do. you're a pre-freaker. I'm a worst case scenario -er. 
And so how did you muscle through that? Well, I, I made it pretty bad in my head. You know, I'm like, this is going to be the first Fire Ops 101 where a journalist dies, and obviously it's going to be me. I'm going to fall through something. I'm going to fall on something. I'm going to hurt someone else or myself. I heard all about um, that. But after, honestly, I think that the order that I did the scenarios in, I, I lucked out. Because if I had to put all that gear on and go into a room with, that was on fire and then take the gear off and then repel off of the 50-foot tower, there's no way I would have been able to do it, I don't think. Knowing, I'm, I'm terrified of heights. I love roller coasters, but I hate Ferris wheels. It makes absolutely no sense. But getting over that fear of, cl of climbing off of that tower on, I mean, we were totally safe. We were on a harness, but it was terrifying. Once I did that in my head, I'm like, the rest of this is going to be cake. There's Because I'm terrified of fire also, but heights more so probably. So what order but, did you do things in? Um, first I did, I repelled off of the, the tower. Then we did search and rescue. Then after that, we did the extrication. And then finally, we did fire suppression. Um, but in between, right before fire suppression, we got to sit in the burn room and watch how the fire develops, um, how how it, it climbs for oxygen, how the smoke drops from the ceiling to the floor and kind of crawls looking for more air. They opened up the door and we got to see how the fire kind of reignited itself um, once, it, once there was more oxygen in the room. Uh, and then that was the end of that. Did you feel like you were in a movie? I kind of did. I kind of, there were a couple of moments where I, I kind of had to take myself out of the situation because when you're in a completely dark room with a mask on your face listening to, all you can hear is beeping and, and a faint muffle of voices, you, you almost kind of have an out-of-body experience. You almost kind of like see it as a, as a whole, like I've got someone behind me, I've got someone in front of me, you know. You have to visually imagine where everyone was. Um, they took us through the rooms that we were in prior to us going through them, so we could kind of, I kind of just remembered what the room looked like in my head, and I kind of had to just keep my hand on the wall and just go. Now, Laura, you don't cover too many fires because you're you work right. in the features department at the paper only on the weekends. And right, yep. But Meg, as a newspaper photographer or photojournalist, you cover fires uh, as part of your job. Does going through this in a real close proximity with Laura give you a better understanding of covering a fire in the future? I want to say yes, I truly do. But I think what it really does is it makes me understand the process of what's going to happen, the firefighters thought process and in what order things go. But it was so simulated that I'm not sure that it I, I would really love to see these firefighters in action and see the difference because I have yet to cover a fire that has started from anything more than a toaster or garbage. <laughs> I've yet to actually have a real one, so I, I don't know. I have to add that Meg is our new intern. Uh, she uh, comes to us from St. Ambrose University in Davenport, and she has been a joy for us to find. Uh, she started as a part-timer. Actually, she started as a freelancer. We tried her out. Then we moved her into, into part-time. And then uh, she has done been so successful in, in those over the last six months and grown. Uh, we've made her our summer intern, and we expect her just to grow and grow and grow and keep getting better. Uh, it really is remarkable, and it, you should go, our listeners should go to qconline.com and watch the, her first video that she produced with you. Uh, her first video for QC Online. Now, did you do a lot of video in school? I did not. That was actually the second video, the actual video that I've edited and made that was longer than 10 seconds that was not um, 
stop motion. So that was the very first actual video that I had ever produced. Well, ever. I, I think that anybody listening to this... You can't tell. You don't need to be <laughs> okay. a professional photojournalist or videographer to understand that Meg knocked it out of the ballpark, and especially Certainly. for her first job. And I'm not saying that because I'm her boss. I'm saying it because it's true. Well, she A, she did not call me once uh, while I was at the movies... I went to see Age of Ultron, really good movie. But I sent the girls a note, a text message to say, if you need any technical assistance, I'm going to be in the movies for two and a half hours. So when I was done with the movies, I fully expected to see a text message that said, can you call us? We don't, you know, we need help doing this. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get any of that. Didn't get any of that. It was awesome. Uh, From a boss perspective, I loved it. Um, And they did a fantastic job. So you need to go to qconline.com, go to our video section and watch the video that Laura and uh, Meg produced. It's, it's really quite good. And I think it gives you a really good idea of what Laura went through. And uh, I think uh, Meg captured it really well. Um, was there any challenge? Talk a little about having to, to uh, wrangle a video camera and a still camera at the same time. I would absolutely love to because I, since this was my very first time really taking video and there is not enough videos on the internet that you can watch that is going to give you any idea what it's like to really actually take a video in a situation where there's fire, where your reporter is really might be on the ground or there was Hey, I stayed so, upright throughout the entire thing. She did sit on the chair. I'm wrong. She's, I'm concerned about my reporter. I have two cameras. I had thought I was completely prepared until I got there and I realized I needed to take stills and video. And so I'm thinking I need to get these stills first, get the stills because I know that I can take some stills and then just take the video for the rest of the time. But what I did not realize in my stupidity and probably in my rookiness, that's a word, I realized that video probably takes a lot more battery then stills. And I went through eight batteries throughout the entire time. I went through eight batteries and two cameras. We were doing an interview with, I believe it was um, Captain Snyder. Snyder. Yeah. And we literally had to stop the interview three times so I could switch out batteries three times because they were just dying, just dropping. It, w- it was a lot. It was more than I had ever expected. I, I mean, there was always a tripod that I was trying to carry because Lord knows my hands are shaking when there's fire and smoke and everything. And so, I was absolutely no help. And I'm also taking Laura's notes because she needs to know her story. So it, it was a very big team effort between Laura and I carrying a tripod and carrying um, two cameras. And I'm not a very big person. So it was a lot to juggle. And I really wanted to be as successful as well as be a fly on the wall and not get involved in the simulation or be any kind of burden on anyone. So the whole day was covered in really obstacles for me too. There's tons of scenarios for me, how to handle not having enough battery, how to just take a video and a still, and how to only really focus on your coworker. And how in the world do you clip this GoPro to something, to anything, to what? That was really hard. <laughs> GoPros were also really hard. I forgot there was also two GoPros we were working with that randomly would turn off as well. The heat. She, the heat does that. This was during the, the search and rescue mission. There wasn't heat. Well, no, it might be the oh. heat. They might heat up in the sun. They, they're supposed to, these are the old, we actually sent them out there with two of the original GoPro heroes 
for those technical geeks that are listening. So we blame um, there's you. There's a shutdown. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> I said, so we blame you, really. It's not the sun. I'm just No, I'm you can blame me. That's fine. <laughs> I'm I teasing. S- I, well, no, we blame Paul. <laughs> Because I will, yeah. We'll be I will because totally actually Perfect. I was in a meeting when she was taught how to use them. So I'm off and the hook. It's Paul's fault. Uh, no, uh, the, the, the actually, the, the Jim Versluis with the Moline Fire Department called me the night before you were going to do this. And I had sent him a note. Do you think we could put a GoPro on her? And he said, not in the fire because it's going to get Too up to hot. upwards of 450 degrees where she's going to be. And what's the what's the what's the tolerance of the camera? So I, I googled it before I called him back. <laughs> Certainly to- not four hundred. No, the tolerance is one hundred and twenty five degrees, and the camera will shut down. If the camera reaches one hundred and twenty five degrees inside the case, then it will shut down. So I don't know. It's you know we the batteries might have been going bad, but it you was, guys did a great job. It. it was very hot. It was very it was hot. hot inside, and I could feel the heat from where I was, and that was maybe five feet away from the actual building. Yeah, I'm sure the so camera. So I'm sure it was heat then. You can, you can you can you can stop worrying about it. It's not my fault. It's Paul's fault. Absolutely. <laughs> it's Paul's I'm fault. I'm done worrying it's about it. It's not the intern's fault. That's right. It's we Paul's can't blame fault. the intern. We can't blame Laura. We'll blame Paul. Paul's not here to Paul's defend himself. No. Uh, but anyway, well, we appreciate you guys coming in and uh, taking us. some time Absolutely. out of your busy day. And Meg has to get to a track meet. And Laura has to go do an interview. So uh, this is the uh, this will technically be the third episode of Talking Pictures. So we appreciate you guys coming in. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. All right. We'll see you for episode four if they keep letting us do it. We'll see you later. Bye. The Talking Pictures podcast is a production of The Dispatch, The Rock Island Argus, and QCOnline.com. To see some of the photos and videos discussed in our podcast, be sure to go to QCOnline.com slash multimedia. The music was provided by Kevin McLeod at Incomputech.com. Thanks to Paul Coletti, Todd Welvert, Laura Anderson-Shaw, Meg McLaughlin, Laura Frames, and Randy Fisk.